Well, as you heard, the issue around homelessness is layered. One organization working hard to fix the problem is Indwell, a faith-based Christian charity that creates affordable housing communities that support people seeking health, wellness, and belonging. And they do this really, really well. I'm a big fan, a big cheerleader of what Indwell does. Graham Cubitt is the Director of Projects and Development joins me now. Graham, thanks for joining me this morning. Yeah, good morning, Maggie. Thanks for having me. So Indwell's been around for a long time. Tell us how how you decide where you're going to build affordable housing communities. We've been in Hamilton since 1970s, and uh, we're in this community for a long time. I live in Hamilton myself. Um, In 2004, we realized that many of our tenants actually didn't call Hamilton home originally. They came for hospital services or other kinds of treatment and uh, never actually were able to leave because there was no supportive housing uh, where they where they called home. We started expanding and now we're in uh, seven municipalities across Ontario. Our goal really is to figure out how to create a sustainable supportive housing program, not just one building, but like a spectrum of supports and different kinds of housing, different kinds of supports in each community that we go. So that's that's really our goal. And we get calls from right across the province, from Sarnia to Brockville to Sault Ste. Marie asking if we can come and help address the homelessness situation. So it's it's constantly on our radar of how, how can we expand further in the province to do what we do well, but to do it well in new communities. And you do do it well. I mean, I was I was just driving the other day somewhere in Toronto, and I saw one of your buildings. I saw the indwell sign, and I thought, there, there they are again, providing mm-hmm. sustainable housing. Talk to me a little bit more about what does that look like, sustainable, supportive mm-hmm. Housing. What does that mean? What does that look like? Two things are really key. One is that the affordability is is deep and real for our tenants because the vast majority of our tenants have uh, a very low income, like ODSP. So rents are typically in the 500-ish range. Mm. The other part is that we have to embed supports into the housing program. So it's not like bolting on supports from another agency or, or assuming that somebody else will come in and support the tenant. A core level of supports is always available to our tenants from indwell staff. Those two are the key pieces. And without the support, uh, we know that a lot of our tenants whose lives do include you know, dealing with mental health and often addiction issues, uh, the stability is lacking. From the sustainability part, though, we also know that we have to operate these buildings for a long time and our tenants' incomes doesn't, don't dramatically change. So we really design very energy-efficient energy buildings uh, so that tenants don't have to spend a lot of money on utilities. And In fact, about 75% of our tenants basically uh, have no utility bill because they, their usage is so low. Wow. Talk to me a little bit more about your tenants. Um, I have done a couple stories on Indwell when I was in my uh, television days. Uh, and, you know, again, just uh, a myriad of different stories, different walks of life as well. Where are they coming from? What are their situations? And how do they, uh, how are they helped through uh, the sustainable housing that you provide? Yeah, our tenants our tenant stories are incredibly diverse. We know that uh, we we house people who are uh, eighteen plus, so from eighteen to eighty something, I think, is might be our wow. oldest tenant right now. It it really is. Um, our tenants reflect the rest of life. Many of us know that mental health is real. Uh, that struggling through uh, the ups and downs of that can happen. 
uh, and that when that becomes acute, you know, maybe hospitalization has been a part of most of our tenants' experience. Often our tenants have experienced some type of homelessness, whether it's couch surfing, uh, street homelessness, uh, sometimes it's incarceration. Uh, there's lots of different experiences that are driven by um, the combination of poverty, which is often driven by the illness, and um, and just the reality that life's connections have fallen apart. Uh, a lot of bridges, a lot of bridges get burned along the way, and so our goal really is to help people uh, who, when they want to make a choice to rebuild their life, how do we put the pieces in place so that the gaps of life start start closing in, and that they don't keep falling through them. And you know, one of our tenants uh, this week told me he's like, I moved in uh, a year and a half ago. Uh, I'd been living in, he said, I was literally living in the boiler room of an apartment building that a landlord rented to me. He was paying $700 a month in a building with no windows next to the boiler. And he's like, you know, I just can't even begin to describe the difference that this is making for me now. He's in his fifties. And, uh, he's like, I just bought myself a, a new, uh, well, a used car. He's like, this has been a goal of mine for years. And he's like, I've been able to save and I've been able to start now work towards getting a job. And this is the, this is the kind of situation that we see many, many times is, is people have, they have the will, but there's just so many things in front of them to stop them from achieving the goals they have for themselves, the goals they have for recovery or the reconnections they want to make to family, et cetera. And so, we try to figure out what those are alongside our tenants and really help them achieve them. Graham, that story just gave me goosebumps because, mm. again, this is the face of so many people that just need a little bit of help, right? The mm-hmm. thing this man was paying $700 to, to just have a roof over his head in the boiler room mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. just having now a space at Indwell has empowered him to now get a vehicle. I'm sure he's probably looking for a job. I mean, this just opens up so many doors for somebody. So talk to me about, you know, this housing first approach. We, you know, we were just talking with Don Mitchell uh, about his piece uh, on globalnews.ca about the housing crisis in our province. And, you know, there are many different opinions on how to solve this problem. When you paint the picture of this 50 year old man who now has, has been empowered to, you know, kind of move on with, move forward with his life. How does housing do that? How does housing change maybe even the way that people see themselves? Housing changes everything about ourselves, and particularly if it's stable housing, quality housing, and safe housing that you can actually afford. Uh, I I can't even contemplate uh, having every barrier to finding housing uh, stacked against me, but we see it all around us with you know tent encampments, people living in cars, etc. It's Fundamentally, I mean, there's lots of talk right now about housing, and we know we, and we believe there is actually a shortage of housing. We don't have enough apartments, and so we do have to build. But just building more housing doesn't change the reality for people who are excluded from housing by uh, their mental health issues, addiction. They're, many of our tenants aren't sort of like scoring the top of the pile when they put their uh, application in for a new apartment, mm-hmm. and also they just can't afford it. The reality is that a new a new apartment really really does cost around 2000 bucks to rent a new apartment mm-hmm. based on the cost of construction, et cetera. So what do you do when you only have five or $600 available? It's that kind of creativity that we're trying to figure out. 
through Indwell and other organizations too, but um, how do we get the cost of construction down, but also just acknowledge it does cost a lot to build these days? And then how do we figure out how to rent to tenants who don't have the money? And that's where cooperation really comes in between all levels of government and us as the not-for-profit sector working with our community. And so how is it that you are able to build these, uh, you know, sustainable, affordable housing communities. How do you do that? It's not, it's not easy, but it's not rocket science. Uh, basically, being a not-for-profit, we take the profit motivation out, so we don't have to return. Uh, re- we don't have to have a return on investment to our shareholders. That's that's the starting point. But then from there, being a registered charity, we obviously go to a donor community and say, look, there's many people in our community who want to see some change in the world that they can't achieve themselves, but they want to do it through, you know, reputable organizations. That's Indwell attracts a lot of those people who say what you're doing is working. How do I help empower that? It's usually around 10 to 15% of a project cost when we go to build a new project. But then how do we cover the rest? Because the, the key thing is that when we charge rents that are 30%, maybe maybe even less, of actual market cost, something's got to cover the difference. And that's where senior levels of government particularly come into play with capital investments uh, as grants. Uh, CMHC has the National Housing Strategy. We tap into various programs with that. They are in a bit of flux, and so we're hoping that some of those uh, improve. But it's often been about 50% of the project is a combination of federal grants and loans. And then the province uh, carries some of the share. Around 25% of the project would be grants from the uh, province. And then the municipality, you know, does what they can, whether it's uh, streamlining the process or, you know, waiving development charges, et cetera. And that's how we basically figure every every business plan. It's not exact formula. It's a lot of advocacy around uh, who should go first and when, um, and you know to what level will each each invest. But the practical reality is that we deliver very high public benefit permanently because our housing stays affordable forever, and the supports are embedded in the program. So that's the value proposition. And every government that we've worked with in each community uh, sees the reality of that and has said, yeah, this actually is working. Now, we'd love for them to sort of see that more and more and be be able to expand further across the province. But uh, some of these things take a little bit of time, it seems. Tell me, how many houses or communities have you built in, you know, in the past year, at least? Well, last year we opened about 300 apartments. Uh, we have another um, close to 100 opening uh, between August and, and October this year. Um, we have another 750 on the drawing boards. And, you know, based on the number of calls that we have available, uh, if, if we answered all the phone calls that come in and said, yes, we could have another two or 3,000 units uh, on the horizon. no. That would require a little bit more of a systematic cooperation between the federal and provincial governments. But, uh, you know, maybe they're working on that, too. So (laughs) we're hopeful that we can really build on the momentum. We've opened about a thousand apartments in the last decade or so. Uh, We'd like to see that really uh, ramp up. And and is that all single dwelling? Who lives in these apartments? The vast. No, they're there. We're we're specialists in building multi-residential projects. So uh, apartments. Um, most of our tenants are single person households or couples. And so we do focus on building one bedroom and and two bedroom units. 
Um, but actually, we just got approval uh, this past week in Hamilton for uh, our first family-focused supportive housing project. So it's 23, 2, and 3-bedroom units. And that's really going to be focused on helping people move out of the family shelter because, you know, living in a shelter is no place to... Uh, it's, it may be necessary, it may be appropriate for a moment, but it's not a place to raise kids. And so how do we help folks, families move out of shelter and into stable communities? So we're hoping to get started on that project in the next few weeks. And you you spoke in our the first segment about affordability and the fact that, you know, we're looking at uh, what can tenants actually afford based on, you know, if they're on OW or, you know, be it whatever scenario that they're they're uh, in at the moment. So what does the average rental cost then look like for an indwell unit? The rents are really related to what people have available okay. uh, and people's stable income is ODSP typically. Mm-hmm. So we usually are charging somewhere in the five to 600 range, uh, depending on the situation. Uh, sometimes we do offer uh, a more robust support package that the tenants can opt into. And, uh, and in some programs, we even have sort of a food security plan where there's uh, a meal program as part of that. So every day they guarantee that they're going to have uh, a full a full meal. These are like the basic building blocks of stable life and, and basic health. So we, we want to make sure that we can offer tenants in, you know, depending on the program model, um, the core things that will keep them well and help them move forward. And so between, between, you know, 550 and, and 850 would be the typical rents, whether they have the full package or, or just a more scoped rental package. But it's always related to, you know, the fact that people only have less than $1,200 on ODSP. And so how do you how do you live on that without sort of having a life constantly in crisis? We're talking with Graham Cubitt. He is the director of projects and development at Indwell. Indwell is a faith based Christian charity that creates affordable housing communities. You know, Graham, I'm, I'm listening to this and, you know, we keep talking about this this issue of encampments, both in Hamilton and Toronto, in London. I mean, again, it's everywhere across our country, across our province. And I'm listening to you and I'm like, this is the solution. I mean, you know, Indwell is, you're doing it. You're you're actually, you're listening. You're looking at what are people's needs and what can they afford and how do we work within those parameters? How do you then decide what communities you build in? Cooperation. Mm. Cooperation is the number one thing. If we have to battle our way in to try to convince people that what we do works, we don't have... That, that's not a good starting point. St. Thomas is a great example. The community said, uh, we've got a homelessness crisis here that we just can't deal with, street encampments, people in ravines. The police chief said, I'm not arresting our way out of this, so uh, city council, city hall, you got to come up with a better plan. The, the mayor led this conversation with council and said, brought the community together from the BIA to agencies and said, what are we going to do? And it was resolved that, you know, why don't we build supportive housing as the way to actually deal with encampments? You know, we just opened 45 units there. Um, it's an enhanced support program, quite a robust staffing team, 45 tenants moving in. Six of the tenants who moved in are moving in from our very specialized program, which actually took 15 people directly from encampments. Mm-hmm. It was like some of the most complicated life situations of people in the community. And we already see, the police chief said that when that program opened, 87% reduction in core policing. You know, these are there's solutions that work, but it's when the community says we're going to do it together, not fight each other and not sort of argue constantly around and around. We can get a lot done and it's extremely cost cost effective. So I think that that's the, the key piece. And, 
and we see more and more communities realizing like gosh we're not gonna we're not gonna you know fix this with more and more band-aids or bigger band-aids you know it's it's really we need structural change supportive housing is that structural change and it's super cost effective far more dignified acknowledges people's right to housing actually sort of sees people move into recovery it's very effective so that's that's the starting point that we look for and your buildings are gorgeous. I mean, they're they're well maintained. They're beautiful buildings. So I'm curious, you know, Graham. We were just talking about the encampments. We were talking about how the emotions uh, in Toronto and in Hamilton are at their peak. You know, there are communities saying, "Not in my backyard." When it comes to these encampments, not in my backyard. When it comes to the mm-hmm. tiny homes, what mm-hmm. do communities say when they see an indwell building pop up in their community? Many of the responses are the same. People's number one concern is parking. Yep. Uh, but, you know, beyond that, uh, there's a bit of fear about, like, what's this going to mean? Is this going to bring a lot of violence or something to my community? The reality is absolutely not. It's the opposite. And actually more people st- step up and say, hey, how can I get my daughter on the waiting list? How wow. can I get my mother to move in? That's That's the more common response, actually. Because people do want to have, like, we're not building shelters. We're not building emergency response. We're building permanent housing for neighbors. And people drop the label homelessness when they walk through the door. They're not homeless when they move in. They're now a tenant in permanent housing. And so that's key. And I think, you know, we, we're, we're, we're a Christian organization. Our, our, we're called to love our neighbors as ourselves. We, we always ask ourselves, if I wouldn't live here, if I wouldn't want a family member living here, what do we need to change? And that can be around the design, that can be around the sort of cleanliness, or that can be around the neighborhood impact. And so, you know, if I wouldn't want to live there myself or live next door to an indwell building, we need to change something. And that's that's our modus operandi. You said, you know, most of your housing has been based in Hamilton, indwell is based in Hamilton. Have you been, has indwell been brought to the table when it comes to the conversation around the encampments right now and what's happening there? We're actively working with the city on uh, in relation to the encampments, particularly the exit strategy for encampments. What you know, living in a tent, living in a shed, that doesn't uh, that that's like being in the waiting room at the hospital. It's not really healthcare, but it's better than being laying on the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. It's we need the exit strategy. Supportive housing is the exit strategy, and we're very closely working with the city on that. And I think in other communities too, you know, Mississauga, we're. We're on the affordable housing uh, task force uh, in, in Mississauga, in London. We're actively involved in many community, co- community conversations, the Hamilton is Home Coalition, trying to really lean in to say we need structural and systemic change, and we have to get there as quickly as possible. So in every community that we're part of, we're, we're helping lead the conversation around coordination, cooperation, and like dramatic positive change. I have to I have to run, Graham. But have you been in conversations with the Toronto City Council? What what has been their response to Indwell? We're only as far east as Mississauga, right at the moment. Okay, okay, all right. Thanks yeah. so much, Graham. You and your team and Indwell do such a great job. As I said, I am a big cheerleader, a big fan of what you do, and you do it well. And you know, we're seeing the effects of it. People are. have a roof over their head, they have purpose, and they're able to move forward. And I think that's the desire for everyone uh, when it comes to seeing people who are homeless get off the street and be able to be productive members of society. Thank you for what you do. Maggie, thank you for your support.
Talk to you soon. Yes, that was Graham Cubitt, Director of Projects and Development at uh, Indwell, again, a faith-based Christian charity that creates affordable housing communities that support people seeking health, wellness, and belonging, and they do it well.